Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Feeling Seen podcast, the podcast that talks about the movies that make us feel seen. I am here with truly a friend of the show, a friend of the show, a friend of the family. A friend of yours. Friend of mine. She does so many things that I had to ask her ahead of time. Like, what is it? What can I say? And we settled on independent film producer, film festival programmer. Um, She's had her mitts on Sundance Film Festival, on the Independent Spirit Awards. These are names you know. Drea Clark. Uh, Is that sufficient for now? Yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. I produce movies. I have a podcast called Maximum Film. Maximum Film. Of course I left out. I left out the one that was on the T right in front of me because I was so in my head about all the other things. But of course, a firm chair in the co-host round of the podcast Maximum Film. Yeah. Yay, that's me. Lots of stuff, (laughs) all sort of film related. Yeah. Now, have you always been Renaissance woman style with film? Or at a certain point, were you like, I'm very focused and I'm very specific, but I actually want to do more things. And so you like really splintered it out and just like put your hands in so many more pies? Or have you always done the like (laughs) great, great patchwork of film expert job programmer producer? Um, Yeah, no, I'm just super greedy. No, I, I, I really like to work. And I am someone who is very lucky that I love all of the different jobs that I do. And so I continue to say yes to them, even if I'm like right now, like I mentioned to you, I'm producing a film that's shooting in a month. Uh I am running the Spirit Award nominating committees and I'm (laughs) currently part of programming team for Sundance, which is a lot all at once, except for, um, you know, I don't have children. <laughs> My cats love it when I'm busy. So just, I really like those things. And I never I never started out with the intent to have this career shaped by uh, many things sort of related by film. Yeah. But it, it came together that way. And I certainly did have a few patches. Like I was the executive director of Slamdance Film Festival for a few years. And I ran... Uh, the narrative programming there for like 13 years. So there's been stretches where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get my, speaking of my cats, like my friends and I always refer to them as indoor cat jobs. Like maybe (laughs) I should become an indoor cat because right now I'm, but I, I've fallen in, like, I'm very lucky. I like outdoor cat lifestyle, Mm -hmm. but I also tend to work like film festivals or annual events, things that happen every single year, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, of course, what annual means. (laughs) And because of that, I get to both freelance and never be in one place for too long, but also return to places. I've been working at Film Independent in different capacities for 15, no, more than that. So many years. So many years. Because I was at LA Film Fest for 10 years by the end. So yeah, anyway, it's, it's worked out. It suits my personality. Um, and I feel very lucky for all of them. You just have such an expansive awareness of, of movies. What is the character in film that you have brought us for the backbone of the conversation today, Drea? When I heard about the concept of this, uh, as you may remember, I called dibs on this particular character in movie uh, a good while ago. It would have been a good while ago, yeah. I was like, no, dibs, don't let anybody else do this. And so, of course, it's Muriel Heslop from Muriel's <laughs> Wedding. <laughs> Um, And I say, of course, largely because, and we will spend the next good minute talking about this, but Mm. where there are plenty of things I relate to in Muriel, there are more that I do not. Mm. However, as a girl who was overweight, oversized, plus size fat, whatever you're going to call it, Mm -hmm. through sort of like the end of high school, college, adult things, there are not female characters that are bigger that mm-hmm. are that are described as l- large boned or some nonsense i sure. feel like bless his heart roger ebert in the muriel's wedding review called her big boned and i was like sweet jesus it's the same <laughs> thing as like oh you've got like kate winslet playing a zaftig character in the, freaking yes. eternal sunshine and you're like that bitch is a size 12 <laughs> what are we even doing here and the other character in the mix for me in in for the same reasons was Minnie Driver's character in Circle of Friends. Okay. And both of those, Muriel's Wedding and Circle of Friends, are also young women who a lot of it is revolving around 
romance in their lives and how yeah. they see romance in their lives or don't envision mm-hmm. it for them. But I do think at the end of the day, Muriel's Wedding is a film that I love unabashedly, every part of it. And it also has a shape that feels so good to me because I love a rom-com, but this is also a rom-com that like you hit the beginning of the third act and you're like, oh, <laughs> I think I'm going to thank you at the end of this. You know what I mean? Like, wow. oh, I, I'm not going to feel guilty about how much I love all of this because it's going to do some work. Only, I only recently for the first time and by chance before we schedule this, watched Muriel's Wedding. How? And I, for my love of Australian cinema, I I, mean. I'm shocked at how at my abdication of this responsibility to have seen this movie, you know, the one I think this episode will go up after. You know who the one person is who has brought up Muriel on this podcast before you? Who? Ryan Quanton. <laughs> well, Australian. Famously hunky hilarious. actor. I was Ryan say, Quanton. Uh 0.3 body fat, Ryan Quanton. <laughs> <laughs> he is the one who's like Tony Collette and Muriel's wedding man. Like, and I was like, Ryan, is this fantastic. is a recent first viewing for me. No, you know what? And it's not lost on me. Tony Collette's so good at everything, and she's so good and likable at Muriel. But both her and Minnie Driver put on weight to play chubby girls. Yeah, <laughs> like, and then it launched their careers. And and Tony is even to me more fascinating because she did that. But she also revisited that because it's stuck in people's heads so much that like when she did In Her Shoes, however mm-hmm. many years later, the Curtis Hansen film, she again played like, oh, it's the schlubby chubby sister, you know, yeah. and it's like, I'm sorry, Toni Collette's a movie star. I guarantee it- I can see her vertebrae. Like, <laughs> no shame on her. Enjoy whatever frame you want to, Toni Collette. But like, yes. it really does. It soaks through people's brains so much but that's part of what muriel's wedding is about in ways of of how heavily like even personalities at a young age are shaped by how people see themselves and how they either assume or know the world sees them i'm gonna be a success mom i'm gonna get married and i'm gonna be a success i know you are your dad just wants to be proud of you that's all i'll show him I'll show them all. Could you do a summary of Muriel's Wedding for us, Drea? Um, Muriel's Wedding is about Muriel Heslop, a young woman from Porpoise Spit. Porpoise Spit! She is from Porpoise Spit, and she is a buxom young woman who is kicked out of her friend group, who are a bunch of thin, vain women, mm-hmm. and uh, she follows them to one of their honeymoons anyway long story <laughs> re befriends a girl who had gone to their school previously they bond as outcast muriel steals a bunch of money from her family hightails <laughs> it across the country to sydney starts a new life for herself and the entire time was fixated upon the idea of getting married because getting married will prove that she has made it and mm-hmm. that she is worth something and um yeah and then she does and then there's still more movie (laughs) and then there's still more movie and there is this movie is bombastic and over the top and colorful and zany and has moments of just unrivaled tragedy i assure you everyone anything that could happen did happen (laughs) the highest highs and the lowest emotional lows it's got, I'll say too, and I could I could talk for an hour purely about Muriel's mother. <laughs> that actress is incredible, and I apologize that I don't know her name by heart. I really should. She has like maybe, maybe five minutes total screen time and paints the portrait that you're like, oh, I know this woman. Like she's devastatingly like insecure to the point that she's become this like shell of a human i've rarely been so affected by a character's arc who got so little physical screen time truly oh she is heartbreaking like the amount of times like her at 
Muriel's actual wedding. I just like every detail <laughs> oh, is so good. Oh, I've ne- I don't know that I've ever hated a character more than Muriel at her own wedding because of how she treats her mother in two seconds. But she doesn't even see her mother. Like, that's the thing. Like, no, she's an invisible fucking person. I'm too busy hating her father. I'm hating society. Hating society. Jeannie Drynan is the mom's name. Thank you, Marissa, producer. <laughs> um, she's so good and she's so heartbreaking and devastating. And she steals these. I uh, Like, there's this moment of her stealing flip-flops that I'm like, forget it. It's like the worst <laughs> on-screen crime and handling crime I've ever seen in my life <laughs> but there it really is like it's it's a I love you seeing it now because I think it's such a different thing like I this movie came out when I was in high school yeah and seeing it then like I said the the elements that I have in common but the elements that I have at odds with Muriel like yeah. I had <laughs> I'm also rare in this Man, I freaking loved high school. I loved high school. I had a I had a really good Jordan, time. Jordan, I can see us. I can see us absolutely being team. Yeah, high school yeah. was fun. No complaints. Be- you know why? Because I felt respected. I felt liked. I mm. had an amazing pack of friends. Mm. Like my friends who, to be fair, were very conventionally beautiful and smart and wonderful. And I'm lucky that I had them as well. But I had a whole pack around me and felt, you know, in the center of things. And vibrant and ambitious and the whole world was I so I was not like Muriel in terms of expectation mm-hmm. what I was is that I I felt a lot of positivity and uh-huh. I did not feel desired mm, and okay. as a teenager fine I hear about teenagers and desire now and I'm like ew gross no no right go to, yeah. go to like, the library go that's to the library they shouldn't be allowed we're too old for that now but <laughs> it is such a fundamental part of someone's life if you are actively having crushes if you're never feeling like the recipient of a crush do you mm-hmm. know what i mean like it sets up an imbalance well, like that's like within a muriel situation she's sort of across yes. the board this pariah because she's she's fat and and an awkward person and but and so there's it with that, I would imagine with Muriel, there is an expectation, sadly, in sort of every quadrant that she's going to be sort of left out or the the black sheep. But there's a there's a dissonance to having everything be generally like good and satisfying. And yet, and yet to mm-hmm. desire others and not feel that desire reciprocated, that takes then then that feels out of step with like, but everything's going so well. Like, what's the fucking problem? I don't yeah. understand. Like, that's its own kind of shitty situation. Apart well, from Muriel just kind of like really getting the short end of the stick. In it true, yeah, no, and it truly, she's, like you said, she's this unique balance. Like, she has this group of sort of frenemies, essentially, mm-hmm. who are these like beautiful, thin girls who are also so wonderfully cast and they're all oh, yeah. unique. Like each one of them is a different form of aggravating. It's kind of <laughs> yeah. perfect. And it's like, I feel like Americans, if you like imagined like hot girls in a John Waters movie, yeah. it would be like something like what you see, like hot bitch girls. Yes. In what you see in, yes. in Muriel's wedding. There's, they're like just askew enough. Hot bitch girls in John Waters. I truly, it's what I aspire to myself, but <laughs> no, it, it is. She's, she's found this friend group and wedged herself in and they don't like her. They don't respect her. And she tries so hard and and every time you look at it like what this movie does it really sets up the idea of what is okay for people to even aspire to mm-hmm. like for muriel she is com- you meet her and she's a completely surface individual yes. she just wants what she's been sort of told that she wants which is i want to be friends with the pretty popular girls i want to catch the bouquet mm-hmm. and then ultimately like it's in the title what she wants is to be married and there's something in that that's so rooted in like societal pressure and expectation. There's, oh, you could get into sort of patriarchal influence on that. Yeah. But there's also Muriel's dreams, even there, are completely limited by how she either thinks or knows the world sees her. Like she's yeah. obsessed with ABBA. She goes back, she listens to them. That's her release. Yeah. But does she want to be a pop star? She doesn't. Cause you yeah. know what? The women in ABBA do not look like her. 
Do you know what yeah. I mean? But to her, like the furthest extent of what she can dream of being is married. And mm-hmm. it's it's both something that she can try and attain, but also have, even she could, do you know what I mean? Like there's yeah. even something condescending to herself about that. Of like, oh, even I could dream this high. And it's <laughs> yeah. the saddest thing. And it's reinforced by every facet of the story. Like we, you know, mentioning her mom, both the actor and actors who play her parents are also plus size, like they're uh-huh. bigger people. And the mother is looked down upon and dowdy and uncomfortable in her own skin and all of these things. And then the father is this blowhard who like fancies himself this politician and man yeah. of the people. And he's carrying on an affair of sorts with this thin, beautiful woman. Yeah. Because you know what? Bigger men are afforded something that bigger women are not, especially in this world. So, Well, and it's it's fascinating, too, to see her si- the sister character, who every time she, like, enters the frame, she goes, you're terrible, you're Muriel. You're terrible, Just Muriel. Just calls her fucking terrible. But with pride. Hello. It's me. Muriel. You're terrible, Muriel. And her sister is a stunted, like, never left the nest, has no, no intention of leaving the nest, no. yeah. is herself, too, a bigger woman. And which everyone in this movie looks down on Muriel. Yeah. No matter yeah. whether they are in her sort of exact station or ostensibly above her. Because like, they eat, they all want her to be in a certain place. And Muriel does not want to be in that place. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. that's the whole crux of this, right? Uh, ultimately, like what she figures out to get to a different place is that her... Her pathway, her self-actualization, all of that was surface and nonsense. Yeah. But the main thing of like how she's seen is that people have an expectation of the space that Muriel should fit in the world. And she should not be allowed to want more than that. Yeah. Even if her wants are stupid and petty at the beginning. Like, <laughs> I just want to be married. Like, she's not in love. She doesn't want to be in love. She just wants no, and, to and, be like. And the fiance that she ends up with through like a visa situation yeah. openly despises her. And she is yes. so dead set on being married that she will ignore anything in front of her. Yeah. That tells her she's in like a not good situation just so she can achieve this end game of what is like a socially sanctioned triumph for someone of her desperate position. Yeah. And it's that whole, I mean, I think one of the biggest gifts you can give yourself and that hopefully is a process of your own growing and maturation or whatever is self-awareness, is value and worth and knowing yourself in different ways and I know certainly I valued myself much differently and much less when I was younger and more acutely aware of feeling seen in a certain way feeling you know like I did the thing where I dropped the title in my favorite part about movies it's really it's really satisfying when it comes up but I think that for so many people discovering your worth it starts as a process that's based around someone else. Like that's uh-huh. how we look around love stories. That's how we look about, you know, the best stories. If you talk about people and the successes in their lives, most people will like immediately rank off like, oh, well, they've got a great marriage or a loving yeah. partner or whatever. And there's something societally that is built up upon that of the uh-huh. idea of, oh, your worth is always going to be reflected back or tied to this idea of another person. And like Muriel's whole shape and the reason like when I, I loved this movie when I saw it and was like, uh-huh. oh, I'm down. And it could have, like you said, it, it it leads towards this place where she's moved to Sydney. She's living with her new best friend, Rhonda. Right. Rachel Griffiths. Who's incredible. She's like, she's being flirted with by this guy who's Matthew Day, who I was obsessed with, of course, at that age, because he's <laughs> so cute. But, um, you know, she's like, oh, yeah, it's finally happening for me. But she's still fixated on this marriage thing, mm-hmm. on the idea of I'll 
I'm going to prove something. I'm going to prove my worth. And, and that it's, you can't be married by yourself, right? Like it's completely, it's not something you can fulfill in yourself. It's something that requires someone else. So having that be the whole construct of this movie. Uh And then they set up that she has this green card marriage. She gets married to this like South African swimmer who who looks at her like she's a mouth breathing dullard because she is around him. It's kind of amazing. (laughs) David Van Arkel, Mariel Hislop. Mariel, you've probably seen the news about the civil war in South Africa. Well, just as the South Africans seem to be doing the right thing by the blacks, the police open fire on a black soccer club, and that is bad news for David. Are you black? What? (laughs) I don't know why I said that. (laughs) But that the whole crux of the end of it is her getting to the stage which to me is like an ascension you not everyone gets there and not everyone you know this is not to demean people who are in loving partnerships but there's something about like oh her realizing that the value she needs to find and the the worth she needs to find has to be internal and has to be in herself and like the elevation of that in a rom-com are you kidding me especially after you like it this movie doesn't give you that until like the almost the closing bell oh yeah we this isn't like this isn't like and now we're gonna spend the last third of this movie with new with new muriel new new muriel oh like we it we are like you grow to like you grow to almost despise Muriel throughout the course of this movie, at least it was for me, because of her adamant rejection of the possibility that peace could be found within herself and and becomes increasingly like, uh, because anything can happen in this movie, there's like a hookup gone awry. She's like gonna hook up with with some guy, Muriel is. Meanwhile, elsewhere in the apartment, Rachel Griffiths is banging two dudes. And then it all comes together in in a panic in the living room where Rachel Griffiths guys think that the guy trying to hook up with Tony Collette is like assaulting her. So they're like, what do you, what the fuck's your problem? They're gonna beat the shit out of him. Rachel Griffiths goes suddenly paralyzed from the waist down. And then the next scene, like you're in, you're in situational slapstick at sex comedy. Fully, and the next fully. scene is like, it's cancer. And you're like, whoa. And so it becomes, it becomes this friendship love story of Muriel taking, coming to take care of Rachel Griffith's character and see her through the the ups and downs of cancer treatment. And but within that, she's still going through to bridal shops throughout yeah. town to fake like she's getting married to have photos of herself taken in wedding dresses. And she's, you know, making a, a scrapbook that is going to be Muriel's wedding. And so, like, you're watching this friendship love story happen while she's still like myopically committed to this wedding. And you're like, Muriel you told Rachel Griffith she's your fucking ABBA song. It's right here, man. Like, you, then she's through the wedding. She's ignoring her own mother at this wedding. And you're like, is this movie going to end? I was like, how is this movie popular? It's going to end worse than it started. Like, I was sure we yep. weren't going to get any relief. And then we did, though. And then we did. No, I'm so glad. Like, Rachel Griffiths is so good in this and so much crackling energy. And she mentions that, like, she and Muriel had gone to the same high school very briefly. Yeah. And uh, that me, like, looking at these, like, real characters as if they're real people. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, oh, now if they had befriended each other then... Like, that's what I had, right? Like, what what that would have meant for Muriel at that formative stage. Because... I'll, I'll I'll never not love a movie that's about female friendship as yep. the bedrock of everything. Like that's my whole jam. That's my so, life. That's yeah. my life. So her relationship with Rachel Griffiths, it, it's I think it's noteworthy for so many things. One of them is when Rhonda and she reunite, and she and they reunite because Muriel, of course, has stolen thousands of dollars from her family, <laughs> she's um, like so in, that she can crash. She's a bad person. She's oh, she's she's absolutely a bad person in so many ways. <laughs> but they're I love it. Like her little weird rebellions, big fan, big fan. But she she meets up with Rhonda. Rhonda accepts right away because Muriel, of course, lot Muriel's lying this whole time. She's not just a thief she does terrible things she's a liar and that's a big part of her arc 
Yeah. But she meets Rhonda. She lies about like uh, having a fiance. All these, and what Muriel doesn't pick up on the in those moments that you're like, oh, if you if you'd notice this, there would be no movie. Which yeah. is, Rhonda looks at you and is like, yeah, of course you have a husband or a fiance. Like, yeah, do you know what I mean? Like that's not surprising to me. It isn't surprising to me that you become bold and adventurous. Yeah, that we're gonna go. Me. We're gonna go yeah. lip sync ABBA together at yeah. this resort. Are you Muriel Hessler? No. Sorry. Yes, you are. Why? I don't know why. You just are. Rhonda Eppenstall. We're at high school together. You dropped out in year 10. I dropped out in year 11. Ha! I knew it was you. Hey, swap seats. So, are you married now? What? Well, you said you weren't Muriel Heslop. If you changed your name, I thought you must have got married. Oh, no. Yes. I'm engaged. Anyone I know? What? Who? Tim. Who? What? Tim who? Oh, Sims. Tim Sims. <laughs> Don't know him. And and there's something in that of, of, you know, Rhonda kind of compliments her for a moment. Like, you've made it, Muriel. And she's referring to how Muriel has unlocked from the, like, wallflower insecure high school version that she knew yeah but muriel still sees herself as so unformed and it takes the rest of it but i also you can look at those those traits are exactly representative of her parents like what muriel wants is what her dad is which is bombastic and Mm -hmm. oh i want the um i want the shallow validations Mm -hmm. of the public and sort of known entities versus valuing what her mother had which was honesty and decency and softness and you know that's there's something there right like if you're watching a movie and you're like oh huh that's interesting maybe my parent my parents are both lovely and nothing like the heslops (laughs) but you know they're they're all part of what i love about film and what i love about how even a movie like muriel's wedding could unlock a thousand questions in you of well, what are my own expectations or what are the own things that bled into how I see the world. It's time for us to take a short break, but we'll have more with Drea and Muriel coming right up. Then I'll have one quick thing before I go about the movie of the year for 2023 that will arrive in January and it's called Megan. So stick around. And now, a live reading from Rachel's Poetry Corner. Elephants Theremin's Clifton, Neopets Poorstrips Jepson, Pine Smell Jellybeans Goalie Goals, Skittles Squirrels and the Mole, Celery Chopsticks Pumpernickel, A Case of You by Joni Mitchell, Lullabies Tie-Dye The More You Know, all of these things on our wonderful show. All of these things and more wait for you on Wonderful every Wednesday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you download podcasts. Did your neighbor back into your car? Bring that case to Judge Judy. Think the mailman might be the real father? Give that one to Judge Mathis. But... Does your mom want you to flush her ashes down the toilet at Disney World when she passes away? Now that's my jurisdiction. Welcome to the court of Judge John Hodgman, where the people are real, the disputes are real, and the stakes are often unusual. If I got arrested for dumping your ashes in the Jungle Cruise, it would be an honor. I don't want to be part of somebody getting a super yacht. I don't know at what point you want to go into this, but we've had a worm bin before. Available free right now at MaximumFun.org. Judge John Hodgman, the court of last resort when your wife won't stop pretending to be a cat and knocking the clean laundry over. Welcome back to Feeling Seen. I've been talking to independent film producer and festival programmer Drea Clark, whose deep love for indies apparently goes back to her early years when she felt seen by Tony Collette as Muriel in Muriel's Wedding. In particular, it's Muriel's arc as a character, the lesson she must learn, that spoke to Drea. Let's get back to that conversation and back to Porpoise Spit. You know what the thing is? I, I I thought about this while we were we were talking about like 
desire and stuff earlier, which is that only for the first time, just a few years ago, as somebody who thinks a lot about like the marketplace of desire as like an asexual spectrum person, I realized a couple of years ago, I was like, I have literally never thought about my body in terms of another person. Like how they see you? Yeah. Jordan. Or like who would want to engage with my body because it is in, is is a way because no one's engaging with my body and I am not like trying to and so like yeah. I was just like huh. And weird weird look at how you're a hyper confident very <laughs> forward uh how crazy crazy I was how like, those this things might has tie together to have made a big difference right like yeah. this has to have like had like a significant impact to where like mid 30s is the first time it ever occurred to me to even consider yeah. that I've never put my body in the context of somebody else's idea about it because it's irrelevant to whereas me. it was my 30s when I stopped caring so yeah that's why this this movie hits with so many people it's not like oh what a rare thing for this character to be so influenced by everything and have it affect her personality like, <laughs> everyone feels that way you know and and I also think there's there's honesty to it in the sense that like married people are certainly not having better, happier lives in this movie. Like they yeah. are, it's her parents, miserable. The girl who gets married at the her beginning. Her marriage, a sham. All shams. They're all nonsense. Do you know what I mean? So it's not <laughs> yeah. set up like, oh, this is, of course she would want this. But I, yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. And I also appreciate like the the girls that she's friends with and she's young who are super like emboldened because they yeah. probably are, maybe rightfully so assume everyone wants them so that shaped their yeah. personalities they're yes. not any happier than her like all of them are like going through things. one of them's one of them the, the newly married one her husband's cheating on her with one of the best friends yeah. oh yeah at the way which is perfect casting as well but but i look <laughs> at that and and it's it's so spot on in terms of that they're not actually any happier, but they're also not necessarily any more desirable. Because the other thing this movie threads through is when, you know, like the first time you see these girls and they're on this vacation and they're all in their bikinis yeah. and there's these four hot dudes with them at this beach resort yeah. or whatever. And then you see Muriel and Rhonda in their amazing satin white <laughs> ABBA outfits and they're performing. And the guys are like, hello. And it's the first, like... <laughs> and Muriel has on the skin tight bell bottomed ridiculous thing so tight but it is the first moment where she looks comfortable in her skin she's shaking yeah. it around she's happy and those guys it's... are eating it up or like the guy in yeah. the movie store or or eventually you know where this movie takes this big turn right when she and her huh, quote-unquote husband have yeah. um an emotional reckoning because again she another moment to... you're just shocked to watch unfold I don't love you. I don't love you either, but I... I don't know, I... I think I could like having you around. And, and that's where he becomes attracted to her, not because, oh, Muriel's lost all this weight. No, it's that Muriel starts being a person with integrity and... <laughs> yeah. emotional honesty and vulnerability and those are things that people can connect with and it's it's such a through line but i i think of those dudes like cheering for them at that resort at the very beginning because that is that is it right like that to me like the lesson for i mean i can only speak for the chubby girls of america or no i can only speak <laughs> for myself but the idea of there's always desire to be had if you want to be mm -hmm. desired it's just mm -hmm opening what that looks like and who that could be and 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 then also where that should be in your own priorities list because what gets muriel there is that self-actualization it is the idea of her succumbing to the the parts of her that her mother gave her and to be like mm -hmm. just finally honest like this liar has to come clean and come clean with herself first and foremost and i mean how like look at the would you get that from the cover art jordan would you be like this song's got this no. movie's got so much abba i bet i know where it's going like <laughs> did you see that coming no i i really like that i really 
I feel like there is a dignity in this movie does not condescend to Muriel as a tragic fat woman. It gives you a person who isn't like some perfect angel. And if only she were thinner, then her life would be turned around. She's a liar. (laughs) She's like a compulsive liar. She she's a thief. She is awful to like the one family member who loves her, which is her tragic mother. Like she she is devoted to her best friend, but even that devotion starts to flag in the face of even the possibility of matrimonial happiness. Yeah. And it so it it lets it Muriel be a bitch. Yep. Like the the journey that we're gonna go on with her isn't some saccharine like, and then I learn to love my frumpy self. Like it's like, no, I learned to stop being a bitch. <laughs> she stops being a bitch, but also I think there's something really welcome and necessary to have characters you are rooting for who are flawed. Because yes. it's that thing, like if if Muriel was only allowed to find happiness at the end because she was pure of heart. Yes, yes. Like, that's also bullshit. Like, pure yes. of heart is as nonsense attainable as, like, being a perfect uh, body, for, you know what I'm saying, by perfect yeah. body. But, like, that's not, you shouldn't have to be a wonderful person to become self-actualized <laughs> and happy, yeah. you know? You could just and you be shouldn't a person. Have, yeah, you shouldn't have to be a, you shouldn't have to be a flawless person in the face of people being dicks to you constantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, because, I mean, most people, it's all circles. It's all circular. Like, the idea of how someone behaves, hurt people, hurt people. Like, it's (laughs) all, do you know what I mean? It's all tied up in there. Everybody's lives is a deep, mangled tangle. Like, (laughs) that's just the reality of it. It's really, and it's really... I love that so early on in the movie when when Muriel does meet Rachel Griffiths and how immediately it injects the possibility into Muriel's life and and therefore into the audiences that like all Muriel needed was just like somebody to give her the hint that like but what if you were fabulous like yeah. what if like what if that were true because like I totally believe that it's true and like that it's not something that doesn't come up till the end that right at the outset of this key this like central relationship that we'll be with for the rest of the movie someone just tells her like hey you're amazing and bold and awesome and fun and she the level of buy-in that she gives to that and how it improves her life, like, before she, you know, before she's still yep. Muriel and that she hasn't deconditioned out that whole, like, wedding desire thing. I love that we get that so early on that it's just, like, what if you just believed it was true and you started there? And that's really nice to see. I love that. I hope everyone either is a Rhonda to someone or has <laughs> yeah. a Rhonda for themselves. Like that's your ultimate. I'm love out there story trying to be a Rhonda. I think. You are I think that's a big thing a Rhonda. for me. You're a deep Rhonda for sure. <laughs> Just without the um, two part American hookups <laughs> with, the, <laughs> with the sailors or whatever. I gotta die. They're American. So I guess my, I guess a concluding question for Mm -hmm. this conversation would be, does Muriel, who is a successor to Muriel in the ways that she has resonated for you in your life, have we come to a point even decades later where Muriel has sufficient companions in like the cinematic pantheon? Or is it kind of like, no, we're still really fucking letting fat women down completely in the context of this sort of meaty, amazing, adventurous role. Well, it's, I mean, like, obviously Bridget Jones is going to be what you're getting the most of when it comes yeah. to these, because she's also rom-com. And, and I'll add both of these again. I said it before. These women are like size 12, 14. And I'm not going to be in here being like, oh, someone's experiences. Everyone's life they go through is different, but it's also a tricky thing where you're like, oh, well, if you're considering Bridget Jones plus size, where she's like a flu away from not, (laughs) you know, like that's also tricky. And 
and it, it really does like these are also both blonde blue-eyed women and so the 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 other side of that like obviously us having melissa mccarthy in a variety of roles has been great um and she is someone who pushes the boundaries i wish she pushed them more with different directors Mm -hmm. um but you know she there's there's something fun and wonderful there and i would very much love to see her in just a straight up do the proposal with melissa mccarthy like yeah yeah that um but then you know like black women have had different Mm -hmm. on-screen plus size representation than white women and there's such a cultural difference between how bodies and how fatness is seen Mm -hmm. just even differing between white culture and black culture like that's the whole thing i'm not going to get into because i am not qualified but like it certainly speaks to that of what's either permissible or goes back to that idea of desire or Mm -hmm. or even is just like advantageous in general so there's different things to look at i've been a big fan of danielle mcdonald i -hmm. loved patty cakes oh yeah i loved it she did um like this movie called like falling for figaro that i think we no, i know we played at bentonville a very lovely kind of positive like oh sure like little like this very british oh i want to be an opera singer okay yeah. like that's very fluffy kind of british the best part about it she's the romantic lead never once is her size mentioned oh great and those are the kinds of things like any i'm sure come up all the time with the idea of representation of can we not mention it like why yeah. her, her her physicality patty cakes certainly yeah. part of her story but something like falling for figaro like it's not like that's just what your heroine looks like so yeah it was like we when we we spoke recently on max film about bodies 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 and the uh breath of fresh air that it was to just have characters have their queerness just be a fact that informs who's yeah. hooked up with who and how that crazy yarn chart will look in this social history with these people. But beyond that, not be not be presented in any way that was inorganic to how a group of friends who's always just been queer would talk to each other and relate to it. Like a group of queer friends isn't going to sit around and be like, so we're queer, right? Like, well, they yeah. might, but it might be it's going to be a much more blown out like comedic context than that. No, it's so true. It's that idea of how it functions for story end of list like I, I don't need oh i don't need a whole thing you know wait this isn't film so it didn't occur to me right away but shout out to Aidy bryant playing the lindy west character in shrill if you've read mm-hmm. shrill or any of lindy's work like she speaks really well for a kind of white female fat experience okay um and shrill is a great example of that because it's it is like you're saying like it's both built into the stories that her mm-hmm. character is going through but also just it happens to be there like oh mm-hmm. she just happens to be bigger like anyway see shrill well i i feel like that that brings us that brings us to where to our end which i just i feel weird not just keep to- keeping on talking to you it's like well but why why don't we just keep doing there's so why much don't we more just we do an say. hour of us trying to perfect australian accents <laughs> I'm married. I'm beautiful. I'm married. I'm beautiful. I, I'm not great with accents, but I'm obsessed with them, and I repeat them as I'm watching. So, my friend (laughs) Saucy, who's the Saucy Aussie from Perth, not from Porpoise Spit, but Saucy (laughs) lived with me on and off, and honestly, every time I watch something like Muriel's Wedding. I repeat back what I think is like the broad. I'm like, I'm married. I'm beautiful. But I don't do it well. (laughs) This isn't, we have so much praise of Australia and its linguistic idiosyncrasies and its cinema. Indeed. Indeed. And, And Tony Collette on just as much as Ryan Quantin appreciates Tony Collette in the, in the role of Muriel Haslop. So too do you, Drea Clark. You know, Ryan Quantin and I, so many people say how much we have in common. So I'm glad <laughs> this is just one more thing. I Again, I could do this for, but I, I just simply have to say thank you, Drea, for coming Thanks on the for podcast. having me. Thanks for not giving Muriel to anybody else. <laughs> She's mine. All mine. Not and yours, Ryan else's. Quantin. Not you, Ryan Quantin. <laughs> my other best friend. <laughs>
major thank yous to Drea Clark, who I have been excited uh, to possibly have on this podcast since we started doing it. My maximum fun, maximum film pal. You can hear more from Drea weekly on that very podcast, Maximum Film, which she co-hosts with Ify Nwadiwe and Alonzo Duralde. Uh, If you've never seen Muriel's Wedding, get out your library card because it's available on Hoopla. Don't forget about the library card free streaming services out there, guys. Like Hoopla Canopy. The only place I was able to rent the movie The Fall was via the Los Angeles Public Library. That's a hard movie to find. Tarsum Sings The Fall starring extremely gorgeously paced. So get a library card. It can open you up to a broader world of cinema. Uh, And now... The one quick thing before I go, it's the movie Megan. Megan, all caps, with a three for the E. Um, Blumhouse posted the first trailer for it yesterday. This is come this is gonna be a January surprise, you guys. And as uh one of my favorite uh movie people on Twitter, Vice Victus said, he posted a screen grab of the panel that said January from the trailer and said, This is how you know it's gonna be gold. And I agree. <laughs> the idea of January as a cinema wasteland, that's old thinking. Get over it. You know what else came out in January? Underwater came out in January. This is no longer the boneyard of cinema. There are there are great treats to be discovered at the beginning of the year in these winter months. Um but Megan is about uh a woman played by Allison Williams. She is the aunt to a young girl. And that young girl's parents have just died. I think it looks like in a car crash. So she has been orphaned and she goes to live with this aunt who seems to be involved in robotics engineering. This seems like this, you know what this is? This movie, I'm just realizing, is the logical conclusion of Boston Dynamics and an argument for why we should shut down Boston Dynamics right now. She works for some sort of robotic company where she is building humanoid tech. She's building synths. They are, they're small humans. This is an AI situation. It's a Halo Joel Osment AI situation. And what she endeavors to do is with her grieving niece, she wants to introduce her to one of these companion robots, uh, in this case, Megan, to uh, help her through this lonely time, to help her process, to help her feel connected with people again. And what Megan promises to be is Katie, little girl, Katie's best friend. And by uh, Aunt Allison Williams, Megan is given the mandate, you will protect her from all harm, emotional and physical. So she has mapped onto this robot the primary directive that you will make sure nothing and no one hurts your best friend little Katie here. And at a certain point, because this is a genre movie, when Megan's programming fully takes hold, that that's when things start to get crazy. And when I say crazy, I mean crazy in the way that this movie is from Akila Cooper, the writer of the movie Malignant. So think of... Think of crazy in malignant terms and then apply that to a movie about a territorial best friend murder robot that's going to go fucking nuts taking people out who would transgress against her little best friend, Katie. This movie is also directed by Gerard Johnstone, who uh, made the excellent uh, New Zealand horror comedy Housebound, uh, which you should absolutely check out. It's a total gem. These combined forces... I feel great about this, you guys. I am so excited about this. You know who I love? I love Allison Williams. Allison Williams, one of our great, I think, underrated persona performers of the day. Fight me on it. Let's go. Um, Stellar in The Perfection. Stellar in Get Out. Fearless performer. She fucking bites into a whole performance. And that's to say nothing of the work she did on Girls, which, Marnie, shouts out to you. The little girl in this is played by Violet McGraw, who, if her face looks familiar to you and you're like, have I seen her in something specifically? Maybe, maybe not, but who you might have had a higher chance of seeing is her sister, Madeline McGraw, who was just outstanding in The Black Phone, a movie I have questionable feelings about, but unreservedly loved Madeline McGraw's performance in. These are two talented little children. Um, The voice of Megan is played by a girl who went like viral on, I think, TikTok 
uh, for uh, a dance or perhaps a song. I just know there was viral fame involved. Brian Jordan Alvarez is in this movie. If you wanted to know, is Megan is Megan this movie gonna be gay? This movie can be gay. We've taken it. We've claimed it. The queers have said this one's ours. And Brian Jordan Alvarez, star of front-facing videos and characters, star characters such as Marnie, the self-help guru, he's in this movie. This is, a friend sent me a meme this morning. It was like two doors with one completely empty and the other with a huge line backed out of it. And it said, like, the gays today. And the empty door was bros. And the full door was the Megan trailer. And it was like, yes. Yes, this is true queer horror. And you know what happens? You know what happens in the middle of this trailer? The Megan bot starts doing choreo. Starts doing choreo in a hallway where she also rips the blade off of one of those huge paper cutting boards that you haven't seen since you were in like the third grade in your elementary school. Rips that off and is presumably going to go cut people to hell with it. Like this, the edits, the internet is undefeated. The edits of this video of Megan dancing set to all number of songs um, from like Beyonce to house music to to Megan the Stallion, this movie is already an event, and we are. Somebody posted a countdown today, and they're like, "We're ninety some odd days out from the release of Megan, you guys." And you know what? Start that daisy chain, start that paper chain countdown. Rip those off. Let's make this a Megan Advent experience. I I was promised by a friend who saw the film several months ago in a very very sneaky sneak peek. Uh, he texted me when I came out, and he was like, "This is gonna be." your new favorite movie, and Megan is you. Because famously, I have admitted, the villain edit of me is Leighton Easter in The Roommate. Like, I'm th- that's it. I, my villain edit is a single white female style, like, nightmare. And so, like, overprotective best friend murder robot, there she is. There I am. That's my villain representation is Megan. I'm thrilled to see it. I'm honored to see it. I'm so excited for more from Akila Cooper. She's so pedal to the metal rad um, in her screenwriting sensibilities. And that's Megan. That is Megan. That is the movie of 2023. And I can't wait till we all go together. Uh, And that is our show for today. You can follow us on Twitter at FeelingScenePod or send us an email at FeelingScene at MaximumFun.org. If you want to follow me, I'm Crew on Twitter. Our theme music is by Andrew Epen. The show is produced by Marissa Flaxbart. Our senior producers are Kevin Ferguson and Laura Swisher. And this is a production of Maximum Fun. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.